and welcome to Diverse and Inclusive Leaders, the show where I speak with the most inspirational and purpose-led leaders of today and unearth their unique stories of diversity and inclusion to help shape and inspire and make the world a better place. Today, I'm delighted to be joined by the absolutely fantastic Fiona McDonald from Amazon. Fiona is an international executive with over 25 years in the consumer products industry, growing known brands such as Kellogg's, Kraft Jacobs, Nike, and McCormick. Fiona joined Amazon back in 2015 in Germany as director of toys and took responsibility for Amazon's European beer, wine, and spirits business at the end of 2016. Alongside her retail business responsibility, she's also the executive sponsor for diversity within Amazon UK businesses and chair of the Women in Innovation Advisory Committee. A bold and passionate leader, she has been very successful in her career in sharpening brand performance, steering multi-dimensional teams to drive growth and profitability through transformational changes, including post-acquisition integration, business model change, and in recent years, embracing the rapidly changing world of digital commerce. She's an active mentor, both within Amazon and externally, supporting the IW50 as professional mentor for female entrepreneurs and also supporting Working Options, which is a grocery aid charity. Fiona loves adventure and would consider herself as quite international, having lived and worked in Germany, the Netherlands, Poland, Singapore and France, alongside the UK and also speaking a handful of languages too. She holds a degree in manufacturing engineering from Cambridge University and she gained her MBA from INSEAD. She gets her energy and drive from attempting and achieving what seems impossible and getting others motivated to do the same. Alongside her work is the time that she spends with her husband and two boys who are six and eight years old, staying healthy with yoga and sport and keeping a very good sense of humour indeed. Welcome to the show, Fiona. Thank you. I feel quite exhausted having spoken through all of your accolades and, (laughs) and the things that you have done. So What I shall do is kind of ask just to share a little with our listeners about what you've been doing at present and perhaps a little bit more about you personally. Sure. So where would you like me to start with my current role? That would be fantastic. So the current role and I mean, I know that you're obviously exec sponsor for diversity and and the business, you know, love to hear a little bit about what you're doing at the moment and any of the specific projects that you're working on. Yeah, there's exciting stuff on both sides of those. So um, if I start with the, the day job, if you like, so running our beer, wines and spirits business across Europe. Essentially, you know, working in a digital place, it's not necessarily the same as what you'd see in a standard retailer. So it's a super interesting and challenging category. And a lot of the stuff is behind the scenes, making sure we, you know, build the requirements and translating everything to satisfy our customers, which is you know, core to everything which we do at Amazon and delivering those all important packages in the right format on time to our customers uh, around Europe, which differs um, from market to market. So that keeps me on my toes. And I have teams in all five countries that we're working in there, which keeps the cultural dimension to my job, both interesting and challenging as well, quite colourful. You know, from a diversity point of view, particularly um, in view of this podcast this afternoon, for the past sort of, I suppose, 18 months, two years, I've been the sponsor for diversity across our various different businesses in the UK, not just the retail one. Um, But really, you know, trying to see what we can do to 
change the world of tech, but also, you know, doing the right thing. And in particular, some of the interesting things your listeners may be interested in. We partnered with WISE, who are the Campaign for Gender Balance in the UK, and we carried out some independent research where we got more than a thousand uh, women in innovation from different industries actually around the UK to actually survey or do in-depth conversations with them to find out, you know, how they got into innovation or also what were the barriers that they felt along the way and to help us understand and put together a roadmap for use but then more companies than Amazon to find what we can do to change that and increase the number of women in STEM and innovation. And from our point of view in Amazon, we've launched just over a week ago a program called Amazon Amplify, which is our approach to building on some of those learnings. And we'll be looking to build a future pipeline of talent, but of making sure we find the best ways to uh, continually attract and retain the best of talent across the UK. Uh, happy to go into detail if that's of interest. But in doing that, I've been chairing a cross-industry advisory board so that not just Amazon was looking um, into this research, but we had another eight companies working with us to make sure we take the insights and and, you know, expand them as much as we can. Now, the most amazing thing that came out of this was that we're talking about innovation to women who've got patents who are in sort of senior positions in innovative companies, and they don't even consider themselves to be innovators, which is amazing. Yeah. So there's definitely stuff we can do by changing how we actually talk about STEM itself or innovation to not close the door to people who are already in. They think they're problem solving and wanting to make a difference rather than just identifying with this badge of uh, innovation that we tend to stick on people. It's a great thing for the UK economy. You know, if we could just increase you know, people by 10%, we would be able to sort of add 3 billion of benefit to the UK economy. And aside that commercially, I personally think it's the right thing to do and hence pushing forward with it. So those are sort of two of the very different sides of the some of the stuff I'm involved in on a day-to-day basis. Wow. So, do you know, those are some absolutely incredible numbers. 10% equals 3 billion for the UK economy. I mean, those yep. are figures that are just frankly too big for us to ignore. And, you know, you you mentioned that, you know, some of these women don't consider themselves innovators. That's a really interesting point. Do you think, is that a confidence piece? You know, why why do you think that that is? Well, we talked to, you know, obviously various individuals. And one of the examples that stuck out for me the most is when you talk to sort of nurses or doctors who were in, you know, arguably very sort of scientific careers, they didn't go into it to be an innovator or to drive scientific stuff. They've gone in to help people or actually, you know, solve a certain problem that they're passionate about. But if you sort of reverse challenge what that means for us, potentially the way we talk about roles when we're recruiting, so job descriptions, if they're in a language that's not appealing to women, then how are we going to have them come forward to even apply for roles in the first place, let alone, you know, make sure there's enough progress once women get into companies? Absolutely. And I think it's fantastic, you know, the way that you mentioned kind of building and developing this future pipeline of talent so that we're actually securing women and other talented and diverse individuals at those early stages so we can actually engage with them so that hopefully we can help progress them up through the organization in their careers and give them that confidence as well because they have been engaged with at an early stage as opposed to kind of thinking, you know, actually, we really need to increase our diversity pool and look to then bring in people potentially externally because there is a lack of inside, if that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, confidence, funnily enough that you point that out, that actually was 
of the barriers that women face. So our, our survey found that uh, you know nine out of ten of the women we spoke to had experienced some barriers to getting where they got to, and the largest stumbling block was actually um, confidence. And, uh, over eighty mm. percent of people had cited that as an issue. Things which had come out were working in a should we say male-dominated or you know male type of environment. And third place, I think it was not actually having enough recognition from senior men. So they weren't this straightforward um, barriers you might expect, like, you know, the maternity returns or actually, you know, the support for different working, you know, life choices, which are also equally important, but they're in there in the wealth of stuff. But it's it's about for companies sort of looking wider at, are we tackling all of the barriers or are we actually just tackling the ones which we've known or the standard ones in job sharing or, you know, flexible working or remote working, those Easier to fix. I say easier because there's tangible solutions, you know, you can see at the moment. Whereas if we step back and say we're talking about it the wrong way or the skills and the environments that we provide don't nurture or help people thrive in the best way, then that's less easy to fix short term, but nonetheless, you know, could be a huge impact if we get it right. Absolutely. That, I mean, that's fascinating. 80% was down to confidence. I mean, those are remarkable. And especially that, you know, it would be very easy to presume that those barriers were because of things like maternity leave and other elements. It's 80% confidence is absolutely incredible. And that's something that really all of us can be doing to try and inspire and motivate other women and men in organisations to help give them that confidence to empower them to feel they can genuinely succeed. Yeah, it's funny that you say that that to give them the confidence. So, you know, I personally believe that confidence comes from two angles and it's a product of the circumstances where you are. So if I take myself as an individual, I see myself as reasonably confident, you could say. Definitely very confident. (laughs) But I look at the moment in time where I had kids and, you know, did I have, you know, the slightest clue what to do with my kids? They don't turn up with an instruction manual. I had no confidence as a brand new mother because I didn't know anything about it. But of course, with support around you and learning, you can get up that learning curve and you can acquire confidence. So rather than assuming that it's the individual's problem that they don't have confidence, I think as businesses, we need to look at the fact that we can affect the environment as well as equip an individual. We can make sure that we provide an environment that nurtures and also helps build the fastest learning curve for the whatever confidence that's needed to change in the individuals which we're trying to move forward. So a different way of looking at you know where the ownership lies for actually fixing that problem. Absolutely. And if you don't mind me asking, because we're talking around this piece of confidence and we did touch on the fact that there are still a number of industries that are very heavily male dominated, for you as a incredibly successful female who has you know ultimately made it to that pinnacle in your career and level of seniority, what are the key facets or the stumbling blocks that you encountered along your way to success? God, I mean, and some of the biggest ones I remember of falling over myself in the sense of, you know, <laughs> uh, and I mean, in a good way, you know, you can be in control of what you're doing, you can know what you're doing. And I was very fortunate to know what I liked doing and spend time, you know, the degree that I loved, it was practical and it sort of led into, you know, commercial opportunities. I could transfer my skills easily. 
I came up against a number of areas. I mean, I worked in countries like Holland and Poland, where I wouldn't say it's naturally an even playing field um, for a woman. And I had to get over people's belief that I maybe couldn't do it because I was a woman. There's some deep instilled things, even in some colleagues that I, you know, completely respected at the time. You could tell they just found it weird that I had no question in believing I could do something. And yet they thought, but you know, but you're a woman, how could you? And you could see that coming out. And particularly when I worked in Poland, it just was not the done thing to be the woman leading the company and I had my second child there and you know walked around super pregnant along the factory floor <laughs> for many months as well which just was not the done thing and in my heels as I might add just to sort of be the same <laughs> person that I always am. And it wasn't a health and safety hazard walking around in the heels in the manufacturing environment? Well no not on the shop floor but obviously certainly in, in the office I have my factory safe shoes um, all the time but people's perception and what people believe is the standard going against it you know is it a stumbling mark or just something I charged through is maybe the question I asked myself, but it could have been easier. When you're the one out of 10 people that's the woman, being in the minority brings with it, I guess, a, um, a challenge to make sure that you're heard or make sure that you contribute, but equally that you don't try so hard that you over egg or you know, you're too loud and you can classically fall into the aggressive versus assertive conundrum that we know oh so well. Um, so I came across those barriers. But as I said, the biggest ones I learned sort of fall into that category where maybe I was so busy proving things, you know, doing it my own way. And particularly also when you, you have kids, you, you know, you're not firing on as much sleep as you might want to have. And it's, it's easy to get carried away and not always reflect on the perspective of other people around you and therefore the impact you have on them too. Because it's not a game of you versus the world. Certainly in business, you work with people, through people you know, as well as four people. Uh, and some of my biggest learnings were learning to recognize what I was powerful at and where I overstepped the mark in the way I did certain things that could lead to negative feelings or, you know, impact for other people, but not toning down the stuff I was good at. So a lot of self-awareness, really. And I had great mentors along the way who helped me hear the stuff I didn't want to hear when the time was right to have that sort of feedback. And that's, you know, when you can be humble retrospectively, I think that's some of the most powerful stuff I learned. And I would have loved to have removed those hurdles earlier in my career if I'd looked at them with much more importance than I had at the time. Fascinating. And it's, it's interesting that you mentioned this aggressive versus assertive piece and making sure that you balance that up in what was probably a minority position for a lot of your career. How did you, you know, respond and deal with perceptions from, you know, colleagues or say the outside world who may have certain perceptions of aggressiveness or assertiveness or kind of stereotyping because, you know, you, you are a woman and, and were in the minority as you were um, kind of, uh, you know, climbing your way up the ladder, so to speak. I mean, I think I'm a much more rounded person than I was four or five years ago, um, simply because I needed to run into a few walls <laughs> to learn those lessons, because it's not something that comes out of a textbook. And when you're passionate about what you're doing and confident in what you're doing, you know, it's easy to maybe not take those moments all too often to reflect on how that works for, for other individuals. And again, we can all get caught up in what we're doing. And, you know, I, I make sure now that I allow a lot more time to reflect on those things. I think taking that time to reflect and taking that time, I mean, we've spoken quite a lot on the podcast so far about having purpose, purpose-led leadership and finding, I suppose, finding your heart and soul and what it is that you're good at. And you've really alluded to a number of these different people throughout our conversation but I think it is difficult for leaders sometimes to actually step back and to almost 
not indulge, they shouldn't be indulging, but in, in, indulging in those moments of reflection so that ultimately you can become more well-rounded and understand yourself better. Because I think it's easier to, to find your place once you've found that purpose and you know yourself well if that makes sense. Yeah, I think that knowing yourself well is obviously definitely a key point. And I think it's when you're keen and you're young, I mean, I'm, I'm you know, still hopefully I'm only middle way through my career as opposed to near the end of it. But when you are sort of earlier on and you're, you know, you're very ambitious as I was and still am, you take feedback very literally, you want to work on it and improve straight away. And I think some of the advice I had that helped me stand still and change that approach was, you know, somebody said, you know, I think you're trying too hard. Um, and whilst that you feel like you're doing the right thing, it, that feels like a bit of an insult. But when you step back and say, actually, yeah, I'm trying to be something and I'm trying to do these things and act in a certain way because I've been told to do X, Y, and Z. Well, that is acting. And it takes energy to do that and to keep it up in the moments when you're either, you know, super under pressure or, you know, relaxing at the extreme end or on socials or et cetera. And if you are yourself and happy with doing it a certain way, you wouldn't have to try and look out for being a consistent person through all of those situations. And that's where I really started to value um, being me. And I am unapologetic about being me now because I, I know a bit better about myself and I'm able to sort of flex without trying to pretend to be something else. I love that. And I know that you recently did a speech called Being Bold is Being You. And I really love the title of that and the fact that you're talking a lot about taking this time to understand yourself and you know to be yourself as well can you tell me a little bit more about the being bold is being you piece yeah so this was international women's day a couple of years ago and i was in germany and i was doing this keynote i was sort of tasked with describing what does being bold mean and because of those lessons i've just talked about there about having a volume for my own personality if you like being bold could lead people to instantly go and push into that you know over use of a skill and therefore that aggressive rather than assertive thing. And I think the power in being bold is having the stuff that works really well on its own. So I put together a story of what I think my key lessons were, but as I do frequently in the moment, I build it around the stuff that inspires me and it's the crazy moments in life, but equally my kids are in most of it. So I'll, I tell the story in the way these ideas come about and I don't just keep them from my work sphere. I am the full person. I am a mother, you know, a wife, the, the business director and, and a friend and a colleague and therefore finding a story that weaves through all of those just helped me be authentic from the word go but I also called it something ridiculous um, because I thought it was important and it turned out that was the thing that made people turn up and I had a room that spilled over into another one they had to hire a hotel next door and we still oh massively goodness. you know we were still the room because people wanted to know what on earth is this woman talking about two mirrors and a cheetah and what it boiled <laughs> what it boiled down to was self-awareness as I've just said being able to hold up that mirror to be comfortable with what you see first and foremost and if you don't like something that you do what you can to change it but realize that some things aren't changeable and you have to accept them and that was kind of like the sort of number one thing if you understand what are your strengths but what are your values and make sure you're living to them so if you care about your free time but you're sitting in work at 11 o'clock every night who are you kidding you're communicating that so it's the honesty thing of self-reflection and hence my number one mirror and knowing what you're passionate about as well 
when I talked about the cheetah, obviously I'd spent a lot of time over the Christmas with my kids watching things like, you know, top 10 most dangerous animals out there. And sure enough, there's some deadly spiders, but there's the cheetah. And as a sort of sleek individual, I, I thought that was the perfect diversity, you know, metaphor on its own, this cheetah up against all these really ugly wildebeest um, that I'd seen. But essentially, you know, this cheetah knows exactly what she, in this particular case, is good at and how and when to use that strength. So, she can go from zero to however many 60 miles an hour in minuscule seconds, but she's also consciously aware that she'll burn out very, very quickly if she keeps that up. So it's a limited thing. And by fully understanding what she has as a skill, she can beat what looks otherwise impossible, which is this massive you know, herd of wildebeest. And when that's no longer doable, she moves on and changes the context and the backdrop. And so for people who may think they know what they're good at, but the senior management changes or the job changes and it suddenly is not working for them, that they reflect and take the courage that that's totally okay. You know what you're good at, but situations change and you can move to being in new context. You can move companies, you can move teams or whatever, so that you're always in somewhere where your skill is used in a good way and that you're thriving rather than sitting with frustration in front of you. And equally as a leader that you look where your team are not sort of flourishing all the time and recognize when context outweighs the skill which they have to bring. And then finally, sort of just to put sort of another mirror on it, um, I was genuinely, this is actually the truth, I was reading to uh, my kids a good old bedtime story with the mirror, mirror on the wall, who is the fairest of them all. And my eldest likes to sort of really track what's on the pages. And there's a picture of this woman looking into a mirror, looking quite fabulous. And then, you know, goes to the next page and she's, when the mirror says, it's you, she's an she's on top of the world, you know, she's got it. And on the next page, when the mirror says, you know, I'm sorry, but it's somebody else, you know, this woman's broken. She's just been completely crushed. And my son says to me, he said, hold on, mommy, and just go back a page. And he turns over the page back again. He said, yeah, but there's nothing changed. And in that moment, you know, some of the most basic stuff was told to me by a child absolutely nothing has changed other than somebody had told this individual they were no longer good enough. So they themselves absolutely hadn't changed. And so for me, the message there to the people at the time was, you know, you have to be confident about who you are and you hold on to what you've got at and don't let other people tell you that you're not because it's not there, you know, that power they should have to change you. But equally as a leader, I mean, you, we all have the every day to make somebody's world shatter how we comments, give them feedback or don't, you know, praise them doing things. But equally, if we think about that properly, we have the ability to make somebody's world every day in the words which we use. So that was my approach on sort of two mirrors and a cheater in terms of incorporating stuff together in a very broad brush um, way for you here in five minutes. Oh my goodness, I absolutely love that. I love the way you describe the story as well. This this kind of this sleek cheater up against lots of ugly wildebeest. As you were talking about it, I kind of, you know, I'm picturing some kind of scene out of The Lion King. and <laughs> And it's actually... It's crazy as it sounds, it is making an awful lot of sense. And do you know what? I really think we can learn from children as well. Um, you know, the naivety of children who don't have any kind of concept, I suppose, of the real world of work. You know, some of their ideas actually can be the most refreshing and, and we can learn a lot from them to take into our everyday life. They say it as it is. Oh, God. Yeah. This, I mean, I, I literally, I, I take so much inspiration from my kids every day. I love the way they say it, how it is. And uh, I'm personally inspired, not just by them, but also pictures and, 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 um, and quotes and stuff. But it makes me think in a 
a way that's very different to maybe the data-driven stuff I'd deal with on a day-to-day basis. So uh, inspiration's everywhere if you find something that works for you. So I'm, I'm picturing that cheetah right now winning against the mass of this male backdrop. So we can do stuff in diversity because nature shows us these imbalances can be rebalanced and won. Yeah, imbalances and unique qualities can really be the absolute foundation of more innovation and removing that that groupthink piece which I guess leads me on to my next question I've actually got a million other questions for you I'm not sure that I'm going to have time to ask them all but um, my next was actually although you have touched on it a little um, or a lot really what does diversity and inclusion mean to you? Diversity is sources of inspiration different points of view you know it's the color of life um, for me but when I look at a problem which we're trying to change, everybody wants to get a diverse representation, you want to have multiple people around the table, there's a piece of everything in and therefore you're not excluding stuff so that you're not closing the door on things. But I think diversity for me is not just the, the equal people around the table, it's about equal contributions so that you give everybody an equal voice and you can hear equal contributions. But at the end of the day, I think it's as a leader, what am I looking for in diversity? I can put teams together, but I think for me, it's a way of listening so that you can hear what's there, but also you can hear or feel what isn't. And if we had you know, fully diverse teams and businesses, you'd have a place where everybody is the authentic themselves all the time because the environment we provide lets them be and that to me is what the ultimate in diversity is fantastic and last couple of quick questions before i go on to summarize for our listeners some of the fantastic pearls of wisdom that we've learned today what do you think and i know this is a pretty big question to kind of end on but what has been your secret to success do you think and for those that are climbing the ladders in their careers and aspiring to get further in life and in business what is that secret are there any secret ingredients that you've really learned along the way yeah there's a couple if i put a couple of ingredients together um and let your listeners combine them in whichever measure works for them i think you know taking that time to understand who you are so the self-awareness but particularly if you understand what you're good at but importantly and not necessarily the same you can understand what you're passionate about and if you well certainly for me when i combine those two things together i really think that's where i'm really in the zone that i'm you know motoring to do stuff but then combining that with the humility to learn which is what brought me to sort of regulate that set of sort of skills so that i'm adaptable and not you know and, and useful in all sort of situations so passionate what you're passionate about what you're good at and the humility to learn and adapt along the way I didn't always get it right by the way I've hit hit many walls I know you say Um, that you've hit many walls and you know I love how modest you're being about that and saying you know what you haven't got everything right all the time I think that is you know for a leader really important to say so that others don't think oh goodness these leaders are just absolutely perfect I can never do that but I'm actually saying I've hit a few walls in my time I haven't got everything right I think that is really critical to authentic leadership is there any advice that you might have given your younger self who was bashing about into all of these walls trying to succeed and trying to make it further up the ladder are there any things that you regret or things that you would have maybe imparted onto the young Fiona? All the learning is great. So I wouldn't necessarily replace the school of hard knocks with none of them. Um, but I think having the right expectations can go a long way to helping you, you know, deal with all sorts of situations. And I moved around a lot in my career, even back at the beginning, I'd move companies every couple of years. Um, but I think, you know, I didn't expect to fall into the per- perfect job, but maybe I got frustrated when 
job in front of me wasn't ideally what I'd want. Um, so retrospectively, I'd tell people, you know, don't expect to fall into this, the perfect job straight away. I guess if you do at 22, the chances are you're going to be bored with it by the time you're 52. So, you know, accepting that moving and changing and learning is totally okay. And in some ways, that's an essential piece of the journey. But if you think about equipping yourself with skills, you know, I work in a company, well, an industry that wasn't there when I graduated from university. And I've moved through goodness knows how many cultures or countries and companies. And I think what helps is the ability to be adaptable. So if people would learn that skill earlier on, then, you know, being able to be okay with change rather than resist it and find a way that no matter what comes to you, find a way to be ready for everything or, or certainly a lot more ready than, than, than otherwise, then there's a less amount to fear. And I think the pace of things that are changing nowadays, not just technology, but, you know, all sorts of stuff, you do need to be like that to kind of stay with it. Um, and as a young person, the sort of the emotional side of staying with it in terms of being emotionally ready and then ad- able to adapt, I think is going to be you know, even more important. As you're speaking, I'm thinking of a chameleon since we've been talking about a lot of animals here and I'm thinking actually we should all be cheetahs but we should all be chameleons as well because actually there's a lot to be said for the chameleon isn't there actually changing and adapting and you know you're completely right that resonates with me such a lot um you know all of those learnings if you hadn't had all those learnings and those you know that school hard knocks in the early days then you know it'd be hard to picture that you might be where you are today but there's one thing that's, uh, that I would disagree in that one. It's great to adapt to fit in, but the chameleon fits completely into the background and can go unnoticed. You know, particularly in terms of authentic leadership or diversity and inclusion, it's about adapting and fitting in well at, without compromising the unique stuff that you can bring. But, you, you know, being comfortable in a way that you can be that, you can shine with what's you, but, but fit in naturally. So a little bit of a variation on the so chameleon. The shining chameleon then, really. Um. <laughs> I can picture a shiny chameleon that is not scared to stand out, but can adapt as per the situation. In early- I'll think on an animal for you. Yes. I'll think on an appropriate animal. <laughs> I do. I'm racking my brains down thinking, God damn it, what, what, which other animal could be like that? Anyhow, for now, it's the shiny chameleon. And I would love you to come back to me and let me know <laughs> on the animal of, of our choosing. <laughs> To be continued, a diverse and inclusive uh, reptile. <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag diverse and inclusive reptile. Yes, definitely. We should get that one trending, I think. <laughs> okay, so I know that we're kind of coming towards the end of today's session. I know that you're super busy, so I'll try not to keep you for kind of too much longer. And I'd really like to kind of summarize a couple of the key learnings that, that I have taken away from today. And I'm sure that our listeners will have too. I promise, last quick question that I have. Um, is there anyone specific that has kind of inspired you throughout your life and any quotes or podcasts or books that you've been reading recently that that we can go and look up afterwards to to continue the education? Yeah, sure. A handful of those. So I mean, very quickly rolled them off. I mean, I've had anybody who's mentored me on long way. I'm internally grateful to and they have shaped what I've done. But, you know, I think right back to when I was at university, if you remember John Harvey Jones, um, he was seen as the troubleshooter, CEO of um, ICI, yes. I think it was at the time. Um, and I love the way he, you know, took his, he's an engineer too, took his knowledge into businesses he'd never seen before and just applied some, you know, lateral thinking and helped them completely turn um, their business around. So it was 
you know, being bold about taking something to a different space. And I loved that sort of creativity. And, you know, I can't fail to be, you know, inspired by Richard Branson, not particularly for the business things he done has done on their own. But I love the fact that he tries to take his brand to spaces that people say it can't go. And he doesn't seem to have any limits on what he also believes is possible. A little bit crazy, a little bit like myself <laughs> there. And yet, you know, when you look at what he does, there is a huge amount of logic, um, but he, he just gives it a bash and he'll learn from his failures. And if you see some of the things he says about how, you know, to treat employees, I think there's a huge amount of sense in there, which just makes him much more of a rounded person that and gives credit to some of the other things or gives weight to some of the other things he says. In terms of quotes, as I said, I like pictures and I do like quotes to inspire me. My mum was a Latin teacher, actually, so I take something from Virgil, which was um, fortune sides with he who dares. We should change that to say she who dares, you know, in the sense that you do sometimes need to take a risk and get out there. So I like that particular one. And personally, you know, the difference between a dream and a goal is a deadline. It's probably an old one, but there's a lot of truth in it. My most um, valued one that I do use a lot, and it's because of maybe the walls I ran into and things I got wrong along the way, is the one from Maya Angelou that is that people will forget what you said. They will forget what you did, but they will never forget how you made them feel. I love that quote. So those, yes, yeah, so those are the quotes for me. And with a sailing, with a sailing heritage in the family, particularly on behalf of my husband and our free time staff, um, Ellen MacArthur is clearly an exceptional um, lady individual and I've got the utmost of respect and cannot fathom how, you know, she had the physical stamina but also the strength of mind um, to sort of travel around the world um, in the Bondurugi globe, I think it was. Um, yeah, simply fearless and committed, which is what I would like to be or continue to try to be. <laughs> So on that note of fearless and committed, let me do my best to, to summarize in a nutshell some of the wonderful learnings that we've discussed today. Firstly, confidence can be acquired. I think that's a really important point that you made earlier, being yourself and actually kind of embracing some of those crazy moments because they're all the path to the lifelong learning and getting to hopefully where you would like to be and finding that core of self-reflection and purpose. Take that time out to make sure you are self-aware and that you become a more well-rounded individual and having the humility to learn as well, equipping yourself with the skills in order to have that confidence and also to be adaptable, perhaps not like the chameleon or a shiny chameleon, but definitely, um, you know, I think we should all be cheaters, sleek and confident and know our strengths so that we can really push the boundaries of our personal skills and strengths and be able to try and beat the impossible ultimately. And finally, loved that quote that, that you mentioned before by Virgil, fortune sides with he or she that dares. I think that's fantastic. So hopefully there'll be lots more fearless, brave and committed individuals out there who've really been inspired by the podcast today with you, Fiona. And one thing I should mention as well is if any of our listeners would like to get in touch with Fiona directly or, or get in touch with me to ask Fiona further questions about some of the fantastic things she's discussed today and about the various initiatives championing diversity and inclusion and championing female leadership, then do just drop us a note. You can find Fiona on LinkedIn, but I'll also put a link to her profile into the show notes on the website. You can subscribe via Apple or you can subscribe via Android on Stitcher. The site address is www.laylamackenzie.com forward slash podcast. 
This is Diverse and Inclusive Leaders. My name is Leila McKenzie. I've been joined today by Fiona McDonald from Amazon. Thank you so, so much for listening. And thank you again, Fiona. It's been an absolute pleasure speaking with you. You're most welcome. Thanks.